that's all right. I want you, and I want to use a scripture that's familiar to you, but I want to read it again. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's watch verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And this is Elisha and his servant. The Bible says, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him, and thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So every time the king of Syria would make a plan about how to attack Israel, Elisha would would know what was going on by the Spirit of God and would inform Israel, and more than once or twice is what the Bible said, that Elisha warned Israel, "Don't don't go there, don't go here, don't go there. And the mind of the king, verse 11, of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to him, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? There is a mole. Somebody's got to be telling them what we're doing. One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. You can't hide no place from him. And he said, go and see, where is he? That I may send and seize him. And it was told him, and behold, he's in Dothan. Now, I I know where Dothan's at. Uh, I grew up about 25 miles south of Dothan, Alabama. Just, Just saying. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army and for one man. And they came by night and surrounded the city for one man. And the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out. And behold, the army with the horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes. Everybody say, open his eyes. Please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Now, I need you to grab this real quick in your spirit. They were already there. He just couldn't see him. It wasn't like Elijah said, Oh, Lord, will you send armies so that my servant will be okay? He said, No, no, no. I need, Lord, I need you to help him see what he can't see. I need you to help him understand what he can't understand. I, I, fear has gripped his soul and blinded him, God, from what is actually going on. Fear has caused him to see something that isn't true. Lord, will you open his eyes? the Bible says, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full. Come on, somebody. Not of just horses and chariots, but horses and chariots of fire. Come on, y'all. All around Elisha. All around Elisha. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the word to our ears. Let us receive it in our heart. 
We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Cameraman will be happy with me today. I, I uh, twisted my knee up at softball on Tuesday. That's what I get for being almost 50, trying to play with 18-year-olds. But So y'all forgive me if I don't stray far from the pulpit today. Matt had a big old smile on his face, like, we don't have to chase you around with the cameras. There's a story between 1875 and 1883. Um, Aaron, Aaron, a history teacher over here, if you, if you know it, don't, don't give it away yet. But there was a professional thief who, whose very name struck fear into people. Especially Wells Fargo. And Wells Fargo had a stagecoach that ran from San Francisco to New York. And they transferred money back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And there was one name that struck fear into the name of everyone that was involved with Wells Fargo. Now this guy's name is synonymous with the danger on the frontier in this particular time. And he robbed 29, that we know of, 29 different stagecoach crews. Amazingly, he did it without firing one shot. Never fired a shot. Instead, a man by the name of Black Bart used fear to terrorize his victims. All the way from San Francisco. Now, how long did it take a stagecoach in 1883 to travel from San Francisco to New York? Probably a day or two. What they needed on that stagecoach was Festus. That's just me. If they'd have had Festus on there, some gun smoke, don't you see? They would have, you people have missed out. If you have no idea who Festus is, you have missed out on the world's greatest philosopher. You have missed out on the world's greatest philosopher. I got to preach a sermon. I don't have time for gun smoke. Let me ask you a question. I'll put it up here because I want you to think about it during the sermon today. I want you to really grab a hold of this thing. What is it that makes you anxious? What is it in your life that makes you nervous? What, what, is, what is that thing that makes you unsettled? Can I ask you a question this morning? What is it that makes you afraid? Now, we got it. Come on. Don't come in here with your super spiritual hat, right? right? Because I, I need, we're all human. We're all there. See, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking. Listen, yesterday, my wife and, uh, and Alyssa and I, we came back from Kyler's open house, and, and we came back the back way. We walked down to St. Joe um, uh, Dam down here just to see how much water was flowing through the river, and there was, there was some snakes on the catwalk. And they're just water snakes that bothered me a bit. I just walk by them, you know, there they are. They're just doing the thing. They ain't bothering nobody. But as soon as my wife and Alyssa saw those snakes, they didn't take another step. Not one more inch did they move forward. Not, not going to do it. They, and there they are, afraid to take one more step. But they got those cameras out. <laughs> I'm not talking about snakes. I'm not talking about spiders, Tanya. Whales. 
I need y'all to know, Tanya Wells is driving in her car. It is in gear. She's rolling down a road. And a spider runs across the dash. Tanya opens the door, gets out of the car, and lets it keep rolling. She gone, and the car kept going too. (laughs) I'm not not talking about flying bugs and all those things. No, what keeps you up at night? Come on, what, what, what holds your mind hostage? Can I say something to you this morning, and I, and, and I want you to take it wrong. What I want you to do is let it set into your mind for just a minute. What we fear matters. Because fear is a powerful emotion. It grips us, it, it immobilizes us. Fear actually can motivate you to do the wrong things. Fear is, is, is very powerful, and, and, and it's time for us to realize that there is something about it that we need to deal with. What we fear matters. And every one of us, I don't care who you are, has something. Fear keeps us from succeeding in life. Fear steals our joy. Fear takes our courage. Fear will leave you cold. Fear can leave you paralyzed, trembling. Come on, you ever been so scared? Come on. Listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about like, you know, Maverick at Cedar Point. You know, you ride that thing, you get off of it, and you're just like screaming and hollering, ah, you know. Were you scared? Yes, I was so scared. I was like, let's do it again. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. What I fear the most reveals where I trust God the least. Hello, somebody. Everyone has fear. Fear of death, fear of failure, fear of defeat, fear of rejection. I mean, there's just a host of things we could go on all day long. Everyone has fear. But I want to ask you a question right now. What are those areas that you're clinging to even though they terrify you? What fear are you withholding from God? Y'all not helping me this morning. God wants to encourage us with these words. Hello, somebody. I said, God wants to encourage us with these words. Fear not. God wants to encourage us with these words. Fear not. Because fear is a way of blinding us to what God wants us to see. Fear is a way of of keeping us uh, the inability to see exactly what God is trying to show us or even that God is on our side. In our text here, in the scripture here, Benadad was making war against Israel and he was setting up these camps in all these different places. And he even said, we're going to do it here, here, here. And each time he set up a camp, God would reveal it to Elisha and Elisha would tell king of Israel, Joram. He would say, hey, don't go over there. It's a trap. And this happened over and over and over. And Benadad caught on to it. And he said, somebody's telling the king of Israel what we're doing. Who is it? 
They said, well, it's, it's Elisha. He's, he's, he's telling on us because God tells him even what you say in your bedroom. You can't hide. Stop talking in your sleep. You're telling on us. Hello, somebody. That's basically what he's saying. So they said, all right, we've got to go capture Elisha. And they get this plan together, and they find him, and then they surround this city with horses and chariots. The whole army goes down there, soldiers. And for one man, they go all the way down there. Now, verse 15 and 16 is, is incredible because here they are. They find themselves surrounded, and, and the servant of Elisha, it says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army of horses and chariots were all around the city. The servant said, We are up the creek. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, do not be afraid. How can he say that? Anybody with a physical eye can see what's actually taking place. How could Elisha say, don't be afraid? There's only two of them, and there is a whole army of soldiers and chariots and horses, and they're surrounded by the Syrian army. How could he say this to his servant? Fear not. Don't be afraid. I mean, is he, can he not see with his own eyes what's going on? Come on. Have you ever had someone who, who in faith came to you while you were going through something and tried to be an encouragement to you? Hey, let me tell you what. Come on. Don't be. Let's push on. And you just look at them like, you got no idea what you're talking about. You can't even see. Anybody with, with common sense can see. Come on. We've all been in that place. Where God would send us an Elisha in that moment to encourage our spirits in a time. And we would reject not only the person God sends us, but we would reject the word of the Lord from that person that God sent to us. Because our eyes see what we believe is reality. Why? Because our fear matters. Our fears show us how we're relying on our own effort and not trusting God. Listen, we all know that Elisha's not the eternal optimist. <laughs> he was just able to see what his servant could not. And so you know what he prayed? He didn't pray, God, wipe them out. Hey, God, hey, we're in trouble. There's only two of us, God. Will you, will you deal with this for us? God, will you just get us out of this problem? He, he, didn't, he didn't say, oh, Lord, we in a bunch of trouble. Can you just come and deal with this for us? That's not what he prayed. He said, Lord, oh, Lord, can you let him see what I see? Can you let him see what you, who you are, God? Can you open his eyes to see what he cannot see? See, when God opened his eyes, he was able to see that that mountain was full. Now, don't underestimate that word in the scripture because that means there wasn't a crack or a crevice. There wasn't a space to see the mountain. It was like ants on a hill. Are you with me? And not only that, it wasn't just armies standing there, but they were ablaze in fire. Listen, can you imagine the shock? All of a sudden, I saw nothing, and now all I see is a giant torch burning with the army of God. You ever felt like Elisha's servant? Come on, somebody be real. Trapped by your fears? No way out. Maybe you've been that person. Maybe you are that person today who's dealing with addiction. And no matter what you've done, 
No matter who's come to you, no matter who's walked with you, it doesn't matter. That army of addiction is bigger than any army that's ever walked with you. You feel all alone and isolated because no matter how much you've tried, how much you wanted, what your desire was, you couldn't overcome that thing. And every time it would sneak up on you, every time it would whoop you, every time it would crush you, and there it is, hanging over you like certain death, like Elijah's, Elisha's servant. We are going to die. That's what he's saying. What are we going to do? There's only two of us. We are going to die. This thing, it's got a grip on me, and it surrounded me so deep and so wide, there's no way possible around it, through it, or under it, or over it. You have no idea. My addiction has me surrounded. Debt. Hello, somebody. Come on, right? Like debt. Debt in your life is like trying to dig yourself out of a hole. You just wind up with more dirt on top of your head. Debt, you're just drowning in it no matter how much you try, how much uh, extra you work and those things. It, you could save a little money, all of a sudden the washing machine breaks, right? You ever been there? Come on. You ever started the effort and then everything falls apart? Man, you, you got a little bit stuck back and then the dog gets sick. Medical care for a dog is more expensive than medical care for a human. You ever seen that? I remember to go up, my wife had a little dog she loved a long time ago, and, and I just warned her on the way to the doctor. You need to understand, there is a certain value I have already placed in my mind. <laughs> I love you with all my heart. <laughs> the Lord worked it out, right? Like a, That's a different story. That dog lived longer with one eye than she did with two. <laughs> Dead will crush you on it. It will consume you. It will cause you not to be able to breathe no matter what you do, no matter how, how you do it, right? It's a, how about this? It's wedding season. Everybody's getting married. Trust me, I know. Except for those who are always a groomsman and never a groom. Except for those who are always the bridesmaid and never the bride. And you sit and you watch during wedding season. And you try to be happy, but in your mind there's this fear. I'm never, no one's ever going to, come on. Oh, I got you. There's grad season. All your grads, you see all your friends, your buddies, your girlfriends, they got it all figured out, man. The next day after graduation, they hit the ground running with their plan, and you sitting here going, oh, I, don't, I'm, I don't even know. What's next? Grad season. Everybody's got it figured out but me. Come on, somebody. Depression, the what if's always negative. I'm talking to somebody today, because this is what fear does to us. Because, see, we get in these places where we, we realize that in our addictions, maybe God is calling us to be dependent more on him than we are. Come on. In our debt, maybe God's trying to teach us that grace is greater. Come on, somebody. 
as a single person in a wedding season, your fear is overcome. God hasn't blessed you with someone, but maybe he's using you as an example of what purity and commitment look like in a real world because you ain't willing to compromise for just anything or anybody. You're waiting on. You're blind. You can't see it in the moment. Maybe, maybe the grads who don't know what's next, right? God's just waiting to open up a door for you. Come on, somebody. You just, you just got to wait. That depression, what if, is always negative, right? You got you to understand that God's teaching us that serving and giving our life to meaning has much more, much more to do than anything this world can offer us. Listen, if this is you, if you're trapped by your fears, you know what it's time to do? It's time to pray God open my eyes. I said, it's time to pray, God, open my eyes. God, I can't see what you see. God, can you open my eyes to see, right? See, the pathway to your greatest potential is often through your greatest fear. You're not helping me today. That was good preaching right there. We could end. What God wants for you might be on the other side of that fear. It might be on the other side of that thing that you fear the most. You can't be an overcomer unless you go through I said, you can't be an overcomer unless you go through. Until you confront your fear, it will always control you. Somebody say amen. Because you know that's the truth this morning, Pastor Don's preaching good. I don't want to confront it because it's nasty. I don't want to confront it. What I want to do is run from it. I just want it to go away. But listen, until you confront it, it will always control you. And so I know I hear you this morning. I hear what you're saying in your heart. All right, then how do we do that? Well, let me, let me tell you something. When God opens your eyes, when God opens your eyes, you'll see the true nature of the battle. Elisha, his servant, thought the battle was two against the whole army of Syria. But, 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 but God gets involved. And his spiritual army is standing there by Elisha. And here's the problem. So many of us, like Elisha's servant, are blind to the true nature of the battle. What if the battle's not about your addiction? What if the battle isn't about your debt? What if the battle that you're going through isn't about singleness? What if it isn't about depression? What if it isn't about, I don't know what God's plan is for my life? What if the battle you're going through isn't about the thing you're actually struggling with? The thing you're struggling with is causing so much fear that you're blind to what God actually wants to show you. What if we just stop praying about the little bitty things, amen, that blind us and say, God, will you open us to the true nature of what's going on? Because, see, the fear calls us to take our eyes off Jesus, put our eyes on the thing, and it makes us always feel outnumbered. When we look to God, he opens our eyes to see, church, what we could not. And we actually see that with God, we are more than they. Not only are we the majority, but the battle is spiritual. Can I read you Ephesians 6? You probably read it once or twice. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of this dark world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the nature of the battle, right? In a spiritual battle, the conflict is always about authority. Jesus has the rightful authority. Let me tell you why. It's right behind me on the wall. 
The Bible says in Colossians that Jesus, through the cross, disarmed the enemy. The Bible says he's like a lion, but not he's not a lion. There's only one lion, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. I, I need you to understand what's been scaring you, what's been roaring at you, what's been hovering over you, ain't even got no teeth. The cross has disarmed it. The only power it gives you is the, is the, the faith you put in it. The spiritual battle is always about authority. What's going to have authority in your life? This addiction? Are you going to let it? Listen, I decided a long time ago there was nothing going to own me. I'm a free man. Money ain't going to own me. I gave it away once, I'll give it away again. Addiction wasn't going to own me. Y'all got to understand, the anger I had in my heart that caused my, 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 my marriage problems and, and caused me not to be able to see Lisa for the gift that she was in my life, I decided that ain't going to own me no more. I'm, not gonna, I'm a free man. And I remember sitting with some guys one time who just said, man, why don't you, why don't you get involved? Why don't you participate with us? And we believe we have a liberty. Great. I just, you know, I find it funny that sometimes I sit in a room with people who feel they have a liberty, but all of a sudden when I sit in the room with them, all of a sudden their, their liberty that they had makes them feel uncomfortable. I say, well, maybe you're not as free as you think you are. I'm a free man. You're a free man. How about let's just be free men then? See, you see my don't as a violation of liberty. I see my don't as an illustration of my liberty. I, I don't have to. I've decided a long time ago I don't want to be owned. But that thing creeps in every once in a while, doesn't it? Come on. And a bad attitude sits in. And that you better bet. You know, amen. Come on, amen. You know when you get a bad attitude, you owned by that thing. Come on. That thing will just chew on you, gnaw in your crawl, eat. I mean, it'll just like, and all you can think about is the soap opera of whatever that attitude is. And it starts to just say, the battle is about authority. What will you give authority in your life? Come on, somebody. You're going to give Jesus or you're going to give fear? What you're going to give authority, right? You're going to give the one authority who says, don't fear because I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're going to give him authority, the one who died for you and set you free. The one whose blood is enough to wash you and wash your sin as far as the east is from the west. To give you a home with him forever. You're going to give him authority, the one who loved you when no one else did. While we were yet sinners, he came and died. You're going to give him authority. Are you going to do that? Are you going to give that thing that can't give you anything but stress, drama, trial, depression, pain, agony, and defeat? You going to give that authority in your life? See, for me, it's about a choice. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I, anything that comes into my life that begins to enslave me is something I got to get rid of. Why? Because fear will chain you to the floor. Every human being that has ever walked the face of this earth takes place. You were born into a war. You, finally, my brethren, be strong. 
in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He didn't say that you may be able to stand if the devil comes. What's the armor of God? It's, come on church, what's the armor of God? It's salvation. It's faith. It's truth, it's righteousness, it's God's word, it's prayer, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. Satan may have powerful forces, but with God we are more than they. I'm just saying to you this morning, right here, number one, if anything has hold on your life, you got to ask God to open your eyes so you can see the true nature of the battle. Why? Because fear blinds you. When God opens your eyes, number two, you'll experience the presence of God. Oh, come on. Here's the simple thing. The scripture, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Matthew 28. Okay, Pastor John, I got it. It's the close of the gospel. We're trying to move on. I am... Jesus closes the gospel with, I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going to leave you. As a matter of fact, I'm so committed to you that until this world passes away, guess where I'm going to be? And here's what I have to admit. For God to have kept that word in my life, There's some places Jesus, he done been to. Hello, somebody. <laughs> There's some stuff that Jesus walked with me through. The presence of God is never, ever, ever not going to be there. And I just need to say this. I, I know this as a younger brother um, and, and just, you know, um, who my dad was. But there's something about being in the presence of someone who's stronger than we are that kind of soothes our fears. Because, you know, I, you probably don't know this, and it might take you by surprise or whatever, but I used to run my mouth a little bit in school. And it got me into some trouble. That probably shocks you, I get it. And there was one scenario where I got cornered by a couple of guys about four of them. And in your mind, you just have to admit what's about to happen. This is going to hurt. That's all I'm thinking. And in my mind, I'm thinking, who can I bite first? Because that's about all I had. I had run my mouth. And it was about to go down. And around the corner... Walks my big brother. Come on, somebody. Now you think I learned my lesson. Be a little humble. No. That's right. Guess who's here? Let's go. Right? Because my brother's bigger than me, man. And, 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 and he was standing there right behind me. And those guys looked at me and him. And there was four of them, two of us. But he was bigger than all of us. And, and they were like, we'll see you later. 
And I was like, that's what you'll do. It seems right. You know, a child in a dark room, all those scary things that are in those shadows, how come they always seem to go away when dad walks in the room? I got to spend some time with Mike Munson's family every once in a while. Y'all never did that. Y'all need to. You need to go to a Munson family reunion. That's all I'm saying. It's an experience. Come on, Donna. They got some stories. Y'all think I got some stories? They got some stories. I heard this story about a five-year-old Mike Munson. (laughs) He's in the kitchen. His mom's making supper. She says to him, Michael, I need you to go to the pantry and get me a can of tomato soup. And Michael didn't want to do it. He, he, he's scared to go over to that pantry all alone. He said, Mom, it's dark in there. I'm scared. And she said, it's okay. Jesus will be there with you. And so little five-year-old Michael walks over, opens up the door, and hesitantly looks into that dark closet and says, Jesus, if you're in there, will you hand me a can of tomato soup? <laughs> it's a joke, okay? That's a joke. Mike doing that though. 365 times, one time for every day of the year. The term, don't be afraid of fear not in the Bible. Here's what you might not know though 88 of those 365 times, it's in a direct reference to the promise of God. Fear not. Because. Fear not because. Fear not because. Come on, somebody. Because Jesus, your big brothers, I don't care who surrounds you or how many times when Jesus walks around the corner, y'all not helping me. Genesis chapter 26, Isaac was afraid. The Lord said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid. Jeremiah 42, 11, Jeremiah was afraid. God said, do not be afraid of the king of Babylon. I'm going to save you from him. Psalms 39, just take the whole chapter, but I'll give you 7 and 10. When God is with us, there's no reason to fear. Come on, church. 1 John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I need this church and everybody's listening to me this morning. Remember that when God is with us, we are always the majority and we are always the victor. You're not fighting for victory anymore. You're fighting from victory. Fear not, you are already victorious. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. I have set you up to win is what Jesus says to us. Can I help you in this story in the Bible? You need not forget it, but sometimes you might not see it. Elisha never walked out of the tent. How did he even know? Because he knew his God. Oh, oh. He was the servant who came back and said, Hey, uh, you probably should get out of here. We're going to die. Elisha, he didn't got time for all that, man. 
All right, take a nap. God, would you just show him? And he goes back out there, and what does he see? Come on, somebody. I want that kind of confidence in God. I, I, I just have to confess right now this morning, I'm with you, I'm not there. I'm trying to get there, but I'm not there. See, when God opens your eyes, you are reminded of God's past victories. There's not a person who sat in this room this morning who not might be like uh, Elisha's servant, struggling with something, addictions, debt, singleness, grad season, depression, all the things we talked about, even more work, unemployment, it, it doesn't matter. There's not a person in this room who's sitting here this morning who God hasn't given you victory through something. You just can't remember it because you're blind to the current thing. Fear you in right now has consumed you and kept you from even seeing where God has brought you from. In Deuteronomy 7, Moses talking to the people of God, and they're about the end of the promised land. And you know what Moses says to them? This is a blessing. This is what you'll like. They're about to go into the promised land. And you know what Moses said? Hey, I need you to understand something. We're about to go out. Woo, we're going into the promised land. Here we go. Yeah, there's seven nations stronger than you. He said, it's in the book. That's not an encouraging word. There's seven nations stronger than you. Yeah, you're going, you're going into the promised land, but I just need you to understand something. There's, there's not one, two, three, four. No, there's seven nations stronger than you are. Now, if you want to get people excited, it's probably not a good idea to tell them they're small and weak. I'm just saying. But remember, with God, we're the majority. Remote Moses then begins to remind them about their past. We have overcome every enemy that has been... Yeah, they're stronger than us. They outweigh us. They're bigger than who we are. There's some giants over there, but you know what? With God, we're the majority. Remember what God did to Pharaoh. Remember what God did to Egypt. Remember what God has done over and over and over and how he has redeemed. This is exactly what he said. Remember how he redeemed our fathers from the house of bondage and the hand of Pharaoh. You know what we need to do? We need to remember what God has done for us. I'm not saying I want you to live in the past. What I want you to do is realize that Christ has redeemed us from all kinds of sin and bondage. And listen, in this room, listening to this message right now, either here or, or later or wherever it's played, there's some people who right now are sitting in fear of what could have been that isn't. It's not a reality. But the enemy has consumed you with fear so much that all you can think about is what could have been. But it isn't. Come on, you ever almost got into a car accident? But you didn't? And, and you were so terrified by it, you had to pull over the side of the road and take a minute. And all you can sit there and think about is shake about what could have just happened. Instead of get out of your car, run around that thing and give God some glory about what didn't happen. 
I don't ever see anybody do that. Come on, you remember that doctor's diagnosis that said you're going to die and not live? But all of a sudden, here you are. Just last week, just last week, they prepping a lady. We heard the testimony to take her organs. And all of a sudden, they go back in the room, and she is awake. Amen. They're looking at them. And God has done something. We didn't even have time to rejoice about what is because we're so consumed about what is or what isn't. We are paralyzed by the things that we think could have happened. And we make those things a false reality. You don't understand, Pastor Don. I could have. I wish I should have. But you didn't. And you ain't. I once was lost. Now I can sit in my misery and think about all the things that I used to be. How naughty I used to. I was not. Y'all don't have any idea. I was mean as a rattlesnake on purpose. Every once in a while it comes out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we got to put that thing back in the hole. Where'd that come from? I get so depressed and discouraged about all the things I did. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said those things. I can't believe I participated in that. Man, my life is horrible. I'm a horrible person. Listen, I once was lost. But the Bible don't stop there because Jesus is who Jesus is. And when you meet Jesus, he don't ever leave you like you was. He changes you into something different. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. And behold, all things become new. I once was lost. But now I'm saved. I'm walking in the righteousness of God and not my own righteousness. My mind has been renewed by the water, the washing of the word, and I'm full of the Holy Ghost right now. Fear of what could have. But it wasn't. How many people are living in fear of what didn't happen? And because of that, you can't see God's faithfulness now, you didn't die. That didn't happen. Maybe you went through a valley. Hello, somebody. Who don't? Maybe you did do some suffering. Who won't? You know all those people who look at me when, I, when, when they start finding out about all the naughty stuff I used to do and, and, and they try to proclaim their righteousness from the day they popped out of the womb? I just want to look at them and just go, How, how'd you escape? Because you and I both know you didn't. You just 